I want to invite you to stand with me as we read from the word this morning. I will be reading from the book of Mark, chapter 10, New Revised Standard Version. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures, you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. The word of God. Please be seated. This week, all campuses will be active. Yes. Yay. It will be active with life and academics. It will be active with learning and exchanging of information. Our two campuses of education, our K through 12, our university, they'll be pouring into the students massive amounts of, of history and physics and facts and data, formulas and figures into these students of all ages in order that they may become better informed about the world they are to serve in. I want to welcome any freshman that is among us today. We've been spending the whole week together worshiping, and I've been watching them work through teamwork. I'm, I'm very, very excited about the new year over on our campus. I want to welcome our academy students who are always here. Let's give them some love. As was shown here, continually magnificent here at the Lazio University Church. And of course, all the families that support, love, and care for. What an exciting time in history to be alive, where technology and information is just abundant, where there's clean running water and air conditioning. I mean, what an amazing time to be alive, to watch these students with all of the tools they get to move them into their future that we didn't have growing up, right? Hey, adult ch church members? We didn't have some of the things these wonderful individuals have. They get Google. They can Google everything. You need to learn how to do something, YouTube. You can watch in DIY. You can watch a vlog, listen to a podcast, read a book through Audible. My friends say that all the time. So I'm reading this book on Audible. No, you're not reading. That's not reading. That's listening to the book. The same, same, you know, it's Audible. I get, okay, okay. It's amazing. This is a time like no other. Do you remember back then? Now, Pastor Ben's a little young, but the rest of the pastoral staff will remember this. This tool, this, this very, very important tool of life. It's called an encyclopedia. Just that say that word. That's it. This was our Google. You all get to jump on and, you know, if you argue about something, what is dirt really made of? Hold on, let me Google it. No, you know, we had to, you had to be rich, first of all, to have this. And if you didn't, you had to go over to the telephone, the one telephone that you had for everybody, that was chained to the wall through a cord, 
You couldn't just take it wherever you want. You had to pick up and then you had to... And you had to call a friend who had enough money to own encyclopedias. Then they had to go through the encyclopedia alphabetically, because it was alphabetical, find the volume that it might be in, search through it until they find the topic they're looking for, and then they can tell you the answer. That's how we Google things in the 80s and the 90s. That's why we're so tough, young people. <laughs> we didn't have Google. We had encyclopedias. Information was not as accessible as it is today. Today, it's so accessible that we're full now of professionals who don't have degrees. We have a sound bite worth of information about everything and everyone, but have no real deep connections. We have confused the genuine depth of an encounter with an experience of something or someone for the plastic, cheap version of just being informed human beings. Now, don't get me wrong. Information is important. Information is powerful. But information is not transformative. Information is informative. It gives us information that helps empower us to make decisions. It helps us to understand something better, but it doesn't necessarily transform us as people. If it did, healthcare workers would never use drugs. Pastors would never have a moral failing because we would just know. Adventists, we'd all be fit because we have a health message. That's not the truth. Church, say amen. amen. <laughs> because information is just informative. And students, as you're with us, and this is the beginning of your journey with us here at Lasio University of Church, I want you to know this. You're going to learn a lot of things, and those things are super important, but it is information. What you do with that information, how you engage that information, how you begin to experience and live the things that you are learning is what transforms it from something that is informative to something that is transformative. So knowing about that person, place, or thing is not the same as actually knowing that person, that place, or that thing. This young man in the book of Mark comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit this eternal life? I, like, I want to be a part of this kingdom stuff. Um, I, I recognize that you're good, which means you have figured it out, and I want to follow you. But the young man himself is well put together. Matthew and Mark calls this rich young man a rich young man. Luke calls him a ruler. Hence, we get rich young ruler. He had kept the commandments since youth. Now, remember, he's a rich young ruler who stands before a crowd of Mediterranean peasants, agrarians, people who, who may not be in his class, who are not in his class. So he stands out like a shining beacon of goodness. Surely, if anyone could have eternal life, it would be this guy. He had kept all of the commandments since his youth. Now, remember, as Jesus was sharing the commandments to keep, Jesus, Jesus was sharing the second tablet, right? He, he wasn't sharing the between God and you. He was sharing between you and the neighbor. And so he's saying, did you do this for your neighbor? Are you doing this? And he says, I've been doing all of that. Obviously, this young man was fit for inheriting eternal life. 
But he comes to Jesus, not as a disciple or someone with experience of Jesus. He comes to Jesus because he's heard about Jesus. Everyone is hearing about these Messiah figures that are walking around. Everyone in the, in the chosen people have been looking for their Savior. This Messiah who's going to come and, and overthrow the government, overthrow Rome, and begin this earthly kingdom. Jesus was beginning to fit that bill. Jesus was feeding people. He was healing the lame. Jesus was there, and there was a real momentum of a crowd that began to follow Jesus. He was known as the king of Jews. We'll see that in a few chapters in the book of Mark where, where um, under, uh, under uh, execution and persecution they call him that, right? And so Jesus is this Messiah figure. He's been listening, looking and learning about a savior Messiah figure who's coming. So he comes because he wants to follow Jesus. The problem is this rich young ruler knew about a Messiah, but he didn't know the Messiah. He knew about the Messiah, he didn't know. In the Bible, there are a few ways for the word to know comes forward to us. And in English, we just get the word to know. But um, two of the, the more uh, popular ones that I want to talk about today is oidas and genosko. Everybody say oidas. Now say genosko. Oidas versus gnosko. There's a difference here. So oidas is to, means to fully know or to have information of, to, to know of anything, right? Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 is a good example. Do not be like them for your father knows. Oidas, what you need before you ask him. God has a collective knowing of what you need. I got this covered. I got the information. Gnosko, uh, however, is different. It, it means to experience or be in the process and act of understanding. Gnosko is not just a collective uh, bit of information that you know about something. It's to actually experience that thing. His words imply a certain type of knowing that it perhaps best explained in several English words. Like uh, personally, intimately, or experientially knowing. To know, to experience. There's a huge difference between knowing about someone and knowing that person. Um, last week, we went to eat at this little place called Scramblers. Has anyone eaten at Scramblers before? Yes, a few of you. See, that's an experience, you know. For the rest of you, you don't know. Scramblers is a little place off 6th, uh, going up 15 North. It's a little restaurant, and it's got a very Hawaiian feel about it. I took a picture, I wanna throw it over here. This is what they have, Aloha Norco. Now, if you go there, the experience of the food is good, the music, and it reminds you of where? Hawaii, which is good, but it's not the same as being in Hawaii. Norco, I wanna be clear, in case you've never been to Hawaii. <laughs> Norco, California is nothing like Hawaii, except they share the same sun that's in the sky. Look at this little aloha girl. She's wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> now, it's good if you know that this experience is reminding you of a larger experience. It's not good if you go there to Norco and think, this is what Hawaii is like. It's not. And so church is good when we're in an experience together that reminds us of what a heavenly body community looks like as long as we don't confuse it to be the heavenly body. 
Here's another one for you. There's a difference between knowing about and experiencing. Uh, let's show that first picture of the Tim Times. Has anyone here ever had a Tim Tam before? Have you? Have you, you all are missing out on life. You've never been to Scramblers. You've never had Tim Tams. Tim Tams, if I were to explain to you, if I gave you information about it, is a chocolate biscuit that was created in Australia somewhere. And it's got a certain amount of calories and it has sugar. And you might say, okay, that's good. I know about Tim Tams. But to experience a Tim Tam is to really understand the passage, taste and see that I am good, says the Lord. Go to the next picture here. This is how you do a Tim Tam Slam. What you do is you take the bar, you bite off one corner, you flip it to the opposite corner, the juxtaposed corner, and you bite that corner off. Then the next slide. Then you put the Tim Tam into some hot whatever. That's postum. You use the Tim Tam as a straw to slurp up the hot liquid inside. Then you pop the thing in your mouth before it disintegrates and you will experience Nirvana. <laughs> now I was like, you know what? This is such a great experience. I'm gonna buy a Tim Tam for everyone in the church today. Yes, yes, yes. Then my bank account called. And it said, no, you're not. You'll just tell them about it. This is what I did. Instead, I bought them so you could see them. And I'm gonna eat one in front of your face so you could see me in it. <laughs> no, I'm not. What I'm gonna do is, Pastor Ben's got two more of these. And this is what I want. I'm gonna give three of you these packages. Here's the deal. I want you to make sure you use it the correct way. You bite a corner, corner off, use it, sip in some hot milk or something, and, but, but I want you to video it and post it to our Facebook page. Can you do that? All right? So this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna start on this side over here because I never give you guys anything, so I'm gonna just throw this up there. Somebody catch it. Oh, man, it's all smashed. There goes the Tim Tam Slam. Now, I need, some, I need someone from the, the college students. College students, raise your hand. Let me, let me get you one here. Oh, man. Oh, you know what? I saw that hand back there first. Go up in the blue dress over there. Here's it. There's like 11, so if you don't wanna dive, share them with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> We've got one more, and I want to give it to I want to give it to somebody who's visiting for the first time. Anybody visiting us for the first time? Are you visiting? Do we have any visitors? 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 Over here. Let's give her a big round of applause right over here. Right there. Now, please share with your friends. We all want you to live to next week. Bite off the corners, video it, put it onto our Instagram or to our Facebook page, give us your reaction. And for those of you who didn't get an opportunity to get one, go out, they're selling them at Vaughn's, go buy some. I promise you will have a wonderful experience. To talk about Tim Tams is one thing, to taste it is another, to experience it. It's beautiful. I grew up, I grew, I, I grew my, my spiritual, academic, and theological time here at Lasser University, where I learned from some of the best theologians in all of Adventism. Humbled to have been there. Take courses from people like Dr. Webster. I'm just thankful that I'm still alive today after going through a Dr. Webster class. 
Devo took like, what, 41, 46 classes. That's why he's so smart. I took Greek from a gentleman named Dr. Warren Trenchard. When I came into his class, the man handed us a book, lexicon, on all the Greek words broken down piece by piece that he wrote. It was his book. He authored that book. That we did. You, know, you know you're serious when you've got a book that you're going to teach us about the language that we're going to learn. I sat at the feet of individuals like Dr. Wan Il Kim, who always made me angry. <laughs> Called my hair Tohu Wabohu. In Hebrew, that means utter chaos. <laughs> I come in with my hair and he's ah, Tohu Wabohu. Welcome to class. Charles Steele with a loose finger, always shaking it in your face, talking about the fight he had in Chicago and the eggs in a basket. All powerful information, deconstruction and reconstructing and learning and living and growing. But you know what? I also sat at the feet of individuals like a little, little white lady by the name of Jody Cahill. And she was crazy, bonafide crazy. She always had some kind of crazy cuckoo plan for us to do. She didn't have a doctorate. She wasn't a theologian. She wasn't a pastor. She wasn't a church administrator. She just loved God deeply and profoundly. And she felt like students had to go and experience God and go out there. And this is how, this is how I met Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve came because we were going to go on a trip together and, and go do some kind of uh, uh, ministry work to kids. We became friends. This is, my best friends came from this. Pastor Donovan came along, and, and he and I and him, and we used to do drama skits everywhere. If you've ever been in our life, you may have seen us do a few of these weird, wacky skits. My wife to this day is asking if Steve and I would get up here and do a drama for you. <laughs> no, it will be drama for real. I mean, she always had something radical to do, right? And it always, it was always like, you know what, Icky, God told me we had to do this. I hate that line. How do you know God told you? God told me something different. And she'd always speak this into our life. And, we, and so we'd have these experiences where, where here at La Sierra, I wasn't just being informed about God and how to think about God and the community and the world. I began to experience God through the, the, the connections, the relationships, and the service that took place. So my job isn't just to, to, to be well-informed as a human being today. My job isn't just to be woke. None of our jobs is to be a progressive or a conservative or whatever your belief system consists of. Our challenge here is to not allow our informedness to distract us from engaging with God by loving people. We've got to catch that, people. Because we get informed with some information and all of a sudden we think we are it. And without knowing it, we become the rich young ruler. We've got it, God. God doesn't want us to be so well informed or so well endowed or to have so much that we are in the right. God didn't act in the rightness. God acted in his lovingness. So it isn't our informedness. That changes the world. It's a heart that is the heart of Jesus. My girl Ellen said this. She texted this to me last night. She said, Ick, share this with the people. I said, all right. Thanks, Ellen. She said, 
the Savior knew, by the way, Ellen G. White's her name, you may know her. The Savior knew that no argument, however logical, would, merit, would melt hard hearts or break through the crust of worldliness or selfishness. He knew that his disciples must receive the heavenly endowment, that the gospel would be effective only as it was proclaimed by the hearts made warm and lips made eloquent by a living knowledge of him who is the way, the truth, and the life. This is it. We must all get out of our own ways in order to take on the task of being disciples of Christ. It is the experience of a living God that transform our activities in a living world so that we can be more like Jesus. It wasn't about his possessions so much as it was about his gnosko. Do you have an experience with Christ? And does that experience elicit from you giving self-sacrificing love to others so that they too can continue to grow in the light of Jesus? The young man, says the text, walked away saddened because he had a lot of possessions. You'll all learn a lot this year. We all will. But the crux of the gospel isn't just to know a lot about God, to know a lot about life, or to know a lot about people, but to actually know people on a deep level and encounter God in very real ways and to experience a life that is dedicated to self-sacrificial Love. There, in that, is the awesome story that God is a living, thriving experience. That God isn't just some bits of information or set of beliefs or a comfortable community or a denominational policy or even a holy book. God is a transforming and living juggernaut who wants to draw us into his ethos and to change the world around us with his love. So you may be wealthy. And maybe wealth is your issue that you struggle with, the comfort. Or maybe it's the amount of information you're learning about the world around you. And it feels weaponized to you. You can use it. But whatever it is that you find yourself empowering yourself with must be laid down before Jesus that we might live a life of love towards each other. This church is full of different families with different experiences from different places. And that's a beautiful thing because every time we gather, we are telling the world, we don't need to be like the world. We can be together because Jesus drives us as a people. Christianity, according to Jürgen Moltmann, the way of Jesus Christ. Christianity is alive as long as there are people who confess with the disciples and the women, with Martha and Peter, you are the Christ, son of the living God. People who in his discipleship spread and live the gospel. My friend leaves Jesus' side and he's broken and sad because of his possessions. He misses out on the experience, the gnosko. He thought he had an oidos of what the Messiah should look like. And because of his oidos, he misses a gnosko. This year in your academic space, don't be settled for the oidos. Look for the gnosko of God 
And in that place, you can do wonderful, beautiful, miraculous things. It will call you to live a life of sacrifice. It will call you to sacrifice things that make you comfortable. It will call you to put your self-preservation aside for the other. But this is what it's like to have a beautiful and abounding gnosko with the God of the universe who could have stayed there but changes God's mind to come here so that we might be a part of his salvation plan. Let's just not know about God and life and people. Let's know God and life and people. I want to close with a story. So I grew up here in the States when we moved out here. And obviously we didn't have a lot of money. So amazing families got to go on vacations in the summertime. I was sharing this story with my destination family, with our destination family uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, we didn't go on vacation. That was the, uh, we didn't understand what that word was. So summertime, my dad was an environmental engineer. Anybody know what an environmental engineer is? It's a fancy way of saying gardener. My dad was a gardener. And uh, when people went on vacations, they took off, and we just stayed and we worked. After school, when kids got to go home and hang out, watch TV, and play on their Sega Genesis, we went to work. On Sundays, when others were prepping up for Monday, we went to work. That's why the Sabbath was so important in my life, because it was the one day I didn't have to work. So we'd take a truck and we'd go, and my dad would get out and mow the lawn, my brother would go, and he'd use the weed whacker, weed eater, and do weed eating. And, and what I decided to do is I volunteered to go pick up the newspapers, because our clients would leave out newspapers for us. We'd take those newspapers, put them in our truck, and then at the end of the, every week, we'd go and weigh out the newspaper and get money for that, right? I always volunteered to go pick up the newspaper because I knew that I could go pick up the newspaper, I'd put it in the truck, I'd pull out the comics, because there'd always be a comic strip, and I'd just sit in the truck and read. And this was my thing. One of our clients who, one of the clientele who happened to have hired my dad was a little bit on the wealthier side. So she always had magazines, and magazines was a real treat for me. One day as I was picking up these newspapers, I noticed that she had a Time magazine in there. And I was like, oh, what's this? It's Time? All right, let's do it. So I went to the car, I put the newspapers in, I pulled out the Time, I snuck into the car, and I'm reading, looking through, and I'm just checking out what the world looks like from the eyes of an undocumented immigrant kid who'd never gone on vacation. And I saw her. I saw her. She was beautiful, brilliant, and magnificent. And when I saw her picture, I just knew that was my girlfriend. I said, one day, I'm going to marry you. So I cut her picture out of the Time magazine. I pulled out my little Velcro wallet, because that's what you had back in the day. <laughs> Slipped her picture right in there, front side, because I didn't have any other pictures. Close it up. I said, that's my girlfriend. School started, everyone comes back to school, we're all hanging out and playing and, you know, boys, we go into the gym room to change as we do from PE, not after PE, we're changing and I'm in there and I'm changing, I'm throwing my PE sweats on and my wallet falls out and one of the guys picks up the wallet, he says, hey, Ick, here's your wallet and he goes, and he opens it up and then he looks at my wallet and he's very confused, he's got this confused look on his face, he says, who is this? I said, oh, that? That's my girlfriend. And he's like, and he's like, this, this is your girlfriend? I said, yeah, that's my girl. He's like, look at he's like, mm. He's like, bro, this is not your girlfriend. So you know, when a young, young man, you know, he's, he's working up, he's, you know, that is my girlfriend. 
He's like, no, this ain't your girlfriend. I said, bro, that's my girlfriend. So he starts showing everybody in the bathroom. Everybody's like, look at it. And everyone starts laughing, like, ah. And I said, what you guys laughing about? Like, this is not your girlfriend. I said, that's my girlfriend. Let's go to the office and I'll call her right now. I'll put her on the phone and, and you guys can talk to her. We're going to get married. They said, no way. And they're laughing and they leave, leave laughing. I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? I don't get it. I cut the picture perfect. It fits in there. She looked like she could be my girlfriend. My best friend sits down next to me. He's like, bro, yeah, man, that's funny. I said, what's funny about it? It's my girlfriend. He's like, no, that's not your girlfriend. I said, why not? He said, well, first of all, he stole this up here. He said, first of all, that can't be your girlfriend because uh, you throw up the picture. Because it's Princess Diana. I said, why not? He's like, you're definitely an immigrant. I said, what's the problem? He's like, that's Princess Diana. I said, oh, so I can't, I can't be dating her? He's like, no. No, you can't, you'll never date her. It's been years since I was seventh grade. I've read up a lot about her. I've watched documentaries. I've listened to podcasts. I know so much more about Diana now than I did back then. And I realized it's true. I could never be her boyfriend. But as much information as I know about her now than I did back then, which is a ton more, I still don't know Princess Diana. Could it be that sometimes we know of God but have yet to have a real, genuine, beautiful experience with God. May you leave here today not just wanting to know more about God and more about church and life and people. May you leave here today with a new sense of inspiration to know God, to know people, and to know what it means to love like Jesus.